Do you seek the freedom to pursue greater meaning and purpose in your life? Is there something that you're passionate about that you'd like to support by giving time, talent, or money? Do you seek a level of financial freedom to live an ideal life as you uniquely define it? Welcome to the Money and Meaning Show with Jeff Bernier, a show dedicated to helping you gain the confidence and freedom to lead a life of personal significance and help you get your actions and resources in alignment with what matters most. Hello and welcome to the Money and Meaning Show. My name is Jeff Bernier, and as I do monthly, I am your guide today. Uh, you know, we are on a journey together as we talk about uh, things that give you joy, things that make your heart come alive. And that's what meaning is all about. In other words, what are you here for? What is your core? Why Why are you here? And so in this show, what we, what we do is combine conversations around what gives you meaning and purpose and gives your uh, give, gives you gets you up out of bed every day with wealth management topics to help you create the capacity, the margin, the freedom. And that freedom is, you know, obviously financial resources to give you the, the freedom to go do what you're called to do. Uh, it's the energy, it's the spiritual overflow. Um, and of course it's the time. And uh, so we, we combine those kinds of conversations in this show. So I'm delighted that you decided to join me once again, here. And as is my usual process, I've got some awesome guests on to again today, and we're going to talk about a very important topic. You know, it is uh, it is football season uh, here in the South. We're pretty passionate about college football, and uh, so it is football season. Uh, I've got a lot of friends who are outdoor guys, and I've been told uh, deer season is just a week or two away. So it's uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's an important season to a lot of people here in our area, but it's also what I call open enrollment season. And I say that because a lot of the people that we work with are employees, are, are, are executives with large companies and small companies. And oftentimes uh, they get a big long list of benefit options that they have to choose from about this time of year. Now that's not always true. Uh, companies can have open enrollment at any time during the year as they change their benefit options. But many times um, our clients get these letters in October, November timeframe, and they've got just a few weeks to make some major decisions. So I thought it'd be helpful today to bring on some experts to help us walk through what goes on in open enrollment, the types of things you have to think about as you're looking at your, your choices. And again, so excited to have my friend Ray Bachman from Bachman um, uh, BIS Benefits with us. And his uh, key manager, John Schmidt, who is uh, um, also an expert in, in these areas. So uh, Ray is the president of BIS Benefits. As I mentioned, John is a senior manager and uh, account manager and helps uh, employers imp uh, implement quality plans. But they're experts on the uh, things that we need to think about as we look at open enrollment. So Ray and John, welcome to the Money and Meaning Show. Happy that you decided to invest a little time with us today. Thanks so much. Thank you. We're looking forward to it. Yeah, well, well, really, really excited to have both of you here. As I mentioned, this is a, a topic that I, I find uh, we get questions about about this time of year, every year with clients to come with their with their menu of choices. But as I like to do in the show, before we get started in the in the meat of the wealth management issues, let's talk about you guys. So if you don't mind, uh, Ray and John, if you'll just each tell us a little bit about yourselves and your family and 
Um, and then I guess how you got involved in the risk management and insurance world that you're in. John, why don't you start off and I'll, I'll follow. Yeah, I'm glad to, glad to. Uh, so my background is more uh, HR management and I've uh, been with several companies, large companies, uh, small companies, um, had to uh, buy the insurance uh, from brokers like myself now. And so I think I come with some good experience there. Um, but I've been with BIS for about 20 years now. Wow. And uh, it's really been eye-opening on how Ray has uh, structured his organization to really take care of not only the employees here, but to really take care of our clients, large clients, uh, small clients. Uh, and so actually, um, my youngest son, who's now a sophomore at Georgia Tech, this is the only job uh, he knows that dad has had. Hmm. So, uh, so that's <laughs> right. kind of uh, eye-opening. 20 years, where, where has that gone? Yeah. Uh, and I have two other children. I have a grandchild uh, in uh, Charleston and uh, my other son and his wife. Uh, are up in Virginia, and actually, it's his uh, uh, Brittany, his wife's birthday today. So oh. happy birthday, Brittany! Oh, great. If you listen Terrific. to this, so yeah. uh, mm -hmm. so that's good. But yeah, just uh, having been on the HR side of things and trying to make sense of this crazy industry, uh, when I had an opportunity to come over here to BIS and work with Ray, I said, "My goodness, I think I'm going to approach it from a different angle. I'll be on the other side of the desk." and really just guide people on what they need to look at because there is a multitude of options out there. Right. And it really is kind of hard to sift through everything. So, yeah. uh, but that's, that's, that's how I come at it. Okay. Awesome. Now, Ray, do you, do, uh, so John, are you a tech graduate as well? A Georgia tech alumni? I'm not, I don't know if I, I Ray am, only hires tech graduates. Than there. Me. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, I'm more a, uh, Alabama. Oh, thing. okay. There we go. Uh, so we I graduated go. from uh, University of Alabama. I got you. Awesome. How about you, Ray? Tell, tell us your tell us your story. In uh, a few minutes well, here. I did go through that great school of Georgia Tech that's not well known for their football, but uh, <laughs> they're coming <laughs> back. I graduated in 1978 and went immediately into the insurance industry. I said, "Lord, I'll do anything, but." but sell cars or sell insurance. And so <laughs> now I have an insurance firm and I help people buy and sell used cars on the side. So <laughs> be careful what you pray for. Yeah. But I came out of tech into the industry and mostly sold life insurance, then started selling group medical dental disability life. And uh, over the years, branch, I was in an agency for 19 years, um, started BIS benefits in 1978. Wow. We now have about 25 employees, and that's our specialty. In fact, recently at the beginning of the year, we started a property and casualty firm. So we're really trying to, to uh, satisfy all our clients' financial needs. But give you a little background about my personal life. Married to a wonderful woman, Vicki. Got married in 1979, married for 43 years. We have three grown children. And believe it or not, we've accumulated 12 grandchildren. Yeah. So I told yeah. my children when they were growing up, I said, got married. I said, be fruitful and multiply. And I meant <laughs> spiritually because they're all in full-time vocational ministry, but they took me literally too. But yeah. uh, we enjoy being at this stage of life. That's a big, that's a big clan uh, you got there. So that's, that's awesome. You have been, you've been blessed. And right. one of the things I know you, Ray, you and I met many years ago. And yeah. one of the things that attracted me 
um, to you uh, mm-hmm. as just an individual and a, and a mentor in, mm-hmm. in a roundabout way was just the way you run your business. Um, mm-hmm. And so you have a very strong culture there. Tell me about why that's important. Why is it important to have a, a strong business culture as you're trying to serve your clients, but you're also trying to save, I'm sorry, serve yeah. um, your employees? That's what, a great that question. Um, we are faith-based. In other words, we don't necessarily hire people just because that they buy into our faith, but they buy into our uh, our culture. And I've heard the phrase that um, culture eats strategy for breakfast. And so we're big believers in um, the golden rule, you know, and serving one another, not only our employees, but also our clients and our vendors. And in this intense industry that we're in, where there's a lot of stress and and strain and um, just a lot of um, intensity, we try to bring a calm to this industry and a calm to our clients and vendors and just serve them. In, in the book of Philippians, it says, treat others better than you would yourself. And so that's kind of our, 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 our calling. And, and BIS stands for best in serving, which means going hmm. that extra mile. There's one thing to serve somebody, but serving uh is actually going that extra mile and going above and beyond. And so that's the kind of culture we've been able to develop at BIS and um, it's contagious. Very cool. Okay. Well, let me, let me get into the topic today. So as I mentioned, we're talking to a lot of um, executives at at companies and employees at companies, and they're getting this big, long menu of options. So what are, what are some of the, what are some of the options that they typically have, to choose from, do you find, uh, John and Ray? What are the what are the choices they're going to need to make as they allocate uh, maybe limited resources to to their choices? What are the what are the typical choices they're going to have to make? Go for it, John. Yeah, so we have the uh, usual benefits: the medical, dental, vision, life. Typically, it's life insurance that the employer puts on their employees. Uh, sometimes voluntary life is in the mix as well. Uh, short-term, long-term disability, which we highly recommend getting, uh, whether on a voluntary basis or an employer-sponsored basis. And then there's the worksite uh, voluntary benefits, also accident, critical illness, uh, hospital indemnity programs. And so there's a plethora of options out there. And then how you want to try to fund these different plans. And that's where we need to have a good thorough discussion with our clients to really help make sense of what kind of a budget are we working with? Do we have high claims in the in, in your organization or not? Uh, bottom line, we wanna help our employers and employees be very good stewards of what's been entrusted to them. You know, in addition to also, John, there's what they call flexible spending accounts where yes. people can set aside a certain amount of money on a pre-tax basis for their medical, dental, and vision expenses. Also, there's um, health savings accounts. They have these high deductible plans, which we may discuss in this podcast, um, where you can actually put money aside, let it build interest, and use it towards your out-of-pocket and deductible expenses. And then Thirdly, there's a health reimbursement arrangement, right. and that's another detail that we can get into where um, employers will set aside, <clears throat> you'll take a high deductible and the employer will supplement some of that deductible or out-of-pocket expense with employer dollars. So there's just, like John said, there's a, there's a wide range Continue. of choices. 
And this open enrollment is not something to rush through. It's something to take your time and make good decisions because they are life-changing decisions. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think we all procrastinate, uh, especially when we have uh, complex choices and we don't understand all of them. Um, you, you know, we, we tend to freeze up and not even look at it. And the next thing we know, the deadline is November 15th mm-hmm. and it's November 14th. Right. Uh, and I get an email from a client. Here are my choices. What am I going to do? Mm-hmm. That's really not the best environment for an employee yeah. to make these choices. Right. It's got to be in the context of their overall financial plan. Mm-hmm. And, and they need to figure it out because oftentimes they have uh, a budget, a dollar amount that they can allocate to the various choices. And so thinking through. So from an employee standpoint, um, how does an employee go about figuring out how to spend those dollars? Do I do more disability? Do I do more life insurance? Do I do a high deductible plan, which will be lower premiums? Do I do a traditional plan that will be higher premiums, but earlier benefits? So how might an employee go through that evaluation on how how to how to best use their their money. Hmm. John? Yeah, most people when they make their uh, decisions, <clears throat> they're going to be uh, voting with their uh, paycheck. How much does it cost them? And sometimes that's not the best way to go. So I always encourage people when you're making a decision between different plans, look at your own individual health care. Are you one who never goes to the doctor? Although you should, you should at least get your preventative visit once a year. Um, Or are you somebody who's constantly seeing the doctor, you're constantly having deductible services uh, done, and then really you wanna craft the plan for you. The, The worst thing that I've seen over the years is people will agonize for weeks and maybe months to take a week-long vacation and then in a matter of minutes make a decision on their insurance benefits that's going to cover them for an entire year and really people need to stop drop and really take a focus on what how am i utilizing the benefits and what's going to be uh, the most uh, make the most sense for me so yeah some of our clients are smaller and they only offer one plan we do like to offer choice Uh, So we encourage employers uh, to put two different plans in place. And then there's different strategies you can put in for employer contributions. But really for the employee to really look at their own health history and then see how they're utilizing uh, the benefits going forward. Yeah, that's an excellent point, John, because some people um, really insurance is there to take care of you um, after your personal finances have been utilized. In other words, um, not to get on a tangent, but car insurance, you know, we, you know, some people would be better off taking a thousand or two thousand dollar deductible to keep the premiums down if they've had very little uh, accidents in their past and save those dollars as opposed to buying a two hundred fifty dollar deductible and spending a lot of money every month that they're not going to utilize. So same thing with health insurance. Like John said, if you're looking at your health care and if you're a young family with kids that are going to the doctor you know, week after week, uh, maybe a high deductible plan may not be the best choice. Uh, maybe a plan that has co-pays on a regular basis would be more beneficial. Whereas let's say someone that's um, past their, you know, the kids are uh, they're empty nesters and it's just they and their spouse, uh, maybe a high deductible plan would make more sense um, because they're not going to the doctor that frequently and they can save those premium dollars as opposed to 
spending uh, more money on their medical insurance. Right. Well, and I guess it's also important if you've got a married couple and they're both have employer plans to try to coordinate where do you purchase the best benefits? Uh, is that something that you might recommend people to do is again, look at how they work with their, with their spouse's plan. Yeah. John explain that. Cause that comes up a lot in open enrollment. Yeah, Jeff, that's, that is an excellent uh, observation. A lot of times, yes, the married couples will have uh, two different plans being offered. So Depending on the employer contribution and the design of the plan, it may be very beneficial for one spouse to have the children under them instead of having complete family coverage because the spouse could have coverage under their organization with an employer contribution that's going to make their overall cost a lot lower. Right. So, uh, so that's an, an excellent point to uh, look at. And then like in my own situation, I have a married, or I had, he just got off the plan, my married son up in uh, Virginia, uh, while he was under the age of 26, I could keep him on my group plan, let him save some dollars, because again, I have another son under my plan who's a sophomore at Tech, but I'm still paying the family rate. So I, I told my son in Virginia, stay on the plan as long as he can till you age off and then buy your own plan through your work, which is exactly what we've done. So hopefully he's put a little bit of coin in his pocket. So uh, we'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. And that was because the family plan was the same whether he had one child on the plan or two yes. or three or whatever. It exactly. was the same. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So being thoughtful about that, I guess, is the message here. And yes. don't wait to the last minute and think about think about these kinds of kinds of issues. You know, we also, talked to, also, Jeff, let me mention yeah, this please. is that, you know, because we're talking about <clears throat> a total benefit package of medical, dental, disability, life. So it may make sense to have for you and your spouse to have single coverages with your separate companies, but have dependent coverage on a dental plan or a vision plan. And again, you've got to go through the each of the plans and and determine which is the best beneficially financially as well as coverage wise. Um, so there's just a lot more than just the medical involved in these decisions. Oh, no question. And of course, um, let's talk just quickly about, um, uh, about flexible spending accounts. You mentioned that Ray, I believe, mm -hmm. uh, and, and let's distinguish that from a health savings account. So tell me what a flexible spending account is. John, go for it. Yeah. So a flexible mm -hmm. spending account, uh, that's where the, there's a user or loser rule in there. Um, so members can put dollars into an FSA. Sometimes they're set up with a $500 rollover to, to the next plan year, or it's a grace period at which time the member can file claims and use up their money. Um, typically people look at what their deductible is and then they wanna fund their FSA to the deductible. And I always say, you know what, time out, time out look again, how are you utilizing your benefits? Because at the end of the year, let's say you have a $3,000 deductible and you're trying to put that much money into an uh, fund, fully fund your FSA, but you're not gonna use, use all that money up. That's, that's just foolish. Yeah. Uh, so the FSA, uh, basically the employee is going to be putting money into this account pre-tax throughout the course of the year. Now, the thing that differentiates that uh, what we want to always clarify with the employer is 
let's say somebody just starts under the FSA plan, they put $100 into the account over the course of the year, they're going to put $1,200 in. Let's say the second month, they're hospitalized and they utilize you know, a $2,000 deductible, they file a claim against their FSA to reimburse themselves $1,200, but they've only put a hundred bucks in. Well, the employer has to fully fund that, the rest of that balance, knowing each pay period, the employee's basically reimbursing the employer. So kind of a low cost loan there, yeah. but we always try to get our employers to recognize six months down the road, if they terminate, you know, you can't take that money back from the employee. So, right. you know, employer, go in there with your eyes wide open. Supposedly, it washes out because the employees right. who leave early, you pay that right. uh, money on their behalf. And then people who forfeit their money at the end of the plan year kind of balance off what the employers uh, contributed. Right. Hopefully, everybody's spending and planning their uh, FSA dollars accordingly. So, John, so what's for, the max this year on the flexible spending account? For 2023, it's uh, $3,050. Okay, okay, so that's how much you can defer. And so the benefit to the employee is they're able to, they're able to pay medical costs uh, that they're going to have to pay anyway because they have either the deductible or the co-pays or whatnot, but they're paying for it with pre-tax dollars. That's right. So they're yeah, saving yeah. tax dollars. But the important uh, thing is you don't want to put a lot more money in there than you're likely to use because you lose it, uh, generally speaking. Okay. Yes. And then and then you talked about choice. So most plans have a traditional fully funded health plan. Uh, and then you have a, a high deductible plan. And if you have a high deductible plan, then you have the ability to fund uh, a health savings account. And so we're big fans of health savings accounts. So we talk about them on this show occasionally. So tell me about your opinion of high deductible versus traditional and, uh, and, and health savings accounts. What are your thoughts on those? Hey, John. Yeah. So the high deductible health plans, or they have to be the qualified high deductible health plans. And I wish the government had renamed them because there is a lot of confusion out there. Um, but for the high deductible health plans that can have the health savings account attached to them, first dollar, everything is going towards the deductible. And then you're reimbursing yourself by using your HSA dollars that you're putting aside. Sometimes the employers are uh, contributing. Uh, I was just having a discussion with a client right now uh, before this broadcast about how to structure their HSA to help move people over to the high deductible health plan. Because last year they had nobody enroll in it. And he says, gosh, I don't know why. And I said, well, what are you contributing towards it? And he said, well, nothing. And I said, mm. you know, based on the premiums, it looks like if you were to put $100 a month into that HSA, I bet you would have a lot of people switch over to that plan. So that's exactly what he's calculating uh, to do. Um, so when people are looking at the uh, qualified high deductible health plan, they need to verify you know, what the employer is contributing and whether they want to max out the rest of the uh, HSA on their behalf using their own pre-tax right. dollars. Uh, so that's good on your show that you're, you're a strong proponent of that. Where I see uh, difficulties there is when people are getting into a very high deductible health plan, but let's say they're not making a lot of money. They don't have a lot of money in the bank. Right. That could cause a lot of stress right. when they're suddenly faced with a $6,000 deductible. 
Right. And yeah, you can work with the facility to try to make payments and things like that. But still, there's a lot of stress, right. especially, you know, when somebody's going through a medical situation, I think everybody wants them just to focus on getting well. Yeah. But having the extra stress and anxiety on their shoulders really could be detrimental to them, in, in my humble opinion. Well, I think that speaks to what you mentioned before about every plan is different. Every individual circumstance is different. Right. And every individual has different uh, health care spending um, patterns right. and financial resources on the outside to assist uh, mm -hmm. uh, to even can they even afford a high deductible plan uh, is, is kind of where you're going with this. There, um, there is a lot of advantages, as you you've mentioned on HSA. There's not a user loser provision. So literally, you can create a war chest of monies that have been set aside on a pre-tax basis. And in fact, a lot of the institutions offer interest opportunities, even stock mutual fund opportunities to invest in. So you can create a war chest. And let's say you get to age 65 and you haven't used the majority of those dollars. You can use those dollars after age 65. You can't contribute anymore, but you can use those dollars for later on medical expenses and dental and vision. So there's a lot of, in fact, a lot of our, some of our clients that are high income earners, whether it be attorneys or doctors, We'll use it as a supplemental retirement plan because it's a way to max out additional dollars in their investment portfolio. So there's well, a lot of neat things you can do. Well, you that's know. exactly right. If you have the fact pattern, mm -hmm. as John had mentioned, where you've got, you know, a mid to upper level executive that has some financial resources on the side to pay the first dollar of care. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. And I guess I, I guess we're always just trying to focus on the max amount of pocket because mm -hmm. worst case, they've got a max amount of pocket that we know. Mm -hmm. If they've got something major, you know, they got to go to MD Anderson, you know, yeah. in Houston for cancer treatment. We want to make sure they're going to be covered and that mm -hmm. it's not going to bankrupt them. So the high, you know, the maximum out of pocket will be sort of the threshold of what would be what would be the exposure, I guess. Yeah. But for that mid to late career executive that has some resources, the ability to put money in pre-tax, gross tax deferred while it's in the plan and then tax free in retirement if it's used mm -hmm. for health care. Mm -hmm. um, there's nothing else that does that. There's nothing else that's deductible, tax deferred and tax free on the back end. And according to Fidelity's uh, retirement center, they believe the typical retiree household married couple will spend $250,000 $300,000 out of their own pocket mm -hmm. um, for medical care after retirement. That may be, you know, Medicare Part B premiums and everything, but right. it's not insignificant. So having that, that is, that is important. Well, there, a lot of there is a maximum, John, I think the maximum this year out of pocket under legislation is I think 82 or $8,300. So, you know, once right. you've taken care of that maximum, there's really not a concern. You can have a multi-million dollar expense and that in some cases, is the worst, you know, some companies have a less out of pocket, but I think the uh, the legislation shows that the maximum is just a little over $8,000 a year. And when you think about it, you know, people complain about their cost of insurance, but how, where can you find a vehicle or a product that would cover you for a potential multi-million dollar claim in the worst case scenario, your out of pocket is going to be $8,000. That's yeah. hard to find. Yeah. Uh, so in our prep call, we talked a little bit about mistakes people make. Um, and I think we were talking about, you know, this is a good time when you get this annual enrollment, it's also a good time to audit some other things. And Ray, I think you were telling me some horror stories around uh, beneficiary designations with group life and things like that. So are there other things people should be, you know, use this time as an audit of their benefits or is it just 
or are they just really checking what am I going to use next year? I would recommend, because um, I said you feel like an isolated you know, island, you know, trying to make these decisions. And um, we always encourage employers, obviously employees to contact their human resource department. Usually, like you said, the folks that you work with are with large corporations and fairly staffed HR departments. So give them a call and, and really work through some of these decisions and don't do it on your own uh, because they're a resource. They're, they're the ones that are there to help you so that you can decide, hey, you know, does it make sense to, to pick this particular plan or this option? And, and um, you know, um, disability, like John mentioned, we find a lot of folks that um, that don't have long-term disability that are high income earners. Right. So just go through, eat, just don't go through it in a rapid time frame. you know, really think through. And if you're married, talk to your spouse and really find, um, like you said, you know, check your beneficiaries <clears throat> on your life insurance. There's horror stories there where someone's gone through a divorce and never changed it and and they've died. Um, also, you know, make sure that, um, you know, all the programs are set up according that you that you've chosen the proper dental coverages, the proper medical, the proper vision, life, sure, short term. Um, John, what do you have to add to that? No, I think you covered it very well. The beneficiaries is uh, we have seen some heartbreaking uh, stories where uh, money gets paid out to an ex-girlfriend that they haven't seen for six years and the parents pay the cost of a funeral. Hmm. Uh, so those are just absolutely heartbreaking. And, uh, you know, one thing I really like about BIS that Ray has put in place ever since the very beginning is he's had our service team to help members uh, you know, find doctors or, you know, just w walk through claims issues and things like that. But John, John, also, you know, one thing, yeah. one thing we emphasize is make sure your doctor is in the network. Just don't right. go on the internet, call the doctor's office and say, are you in this particular network? Because there's a lot of confusion out there. Doctors come and go in these networks. Yes, right. A lot of these large companies offer multiple plans with multiple networks. So that's one of the most important things is make sure your doctor is in that particular plan that you select. Yeah. One, one of the worst things somebody can do when they're calling a doctor's office is to say, hey, do you take XYZ uh, carrier insurance? Even if they're not in network, they'll say, yeah, we'll take it. And then we're going to balance bill you. They won't tell you about the balance. Bill right. Part. Right. So you want to really make sure you're yeah. finding out from the website or from the doctor's office specifically. Are you an in-network contracted physician with XYZ carrier? Right. Well, yeah. that, I think that's one of the things that we've all found is through, um, you know, labor shortages and trying to find service excellence and service operations. You know, uh, a lot of these companies have made it self-serve, but the flip yes. side of that is they've created really good websites. So mm -hmm. all the major carriers and all your major group insurance companies have really good websites. And oftentimes they have the directory right there online because it changes. I mean, they send you one in the mail a year ago. There's doctors that maybe come and go, yeah. but the online is, is usually current. Yeah. Um, so it, you get familiar with your uh, group carriers online portal where you can do a little bit of legwork up front. I think that that's, you know, it's, that's, uh, that's actually a positive that, uh, that some of the technology has helped with. So anyway, well, this has been awesome. I know yeah. we talked a lot and this show is really geared towards talking to this mid to late career professional who is, you know, either 
transitioning to a second half of more meaning and purpose, uh, or it could be a young couple who are still growing and have questions about group insurance, but um, and group benefits. But I know your firm again specializes in working with the employer. So just give us a really quick commercial on BIS benefits and how you serve your um, your employers and how they can find you. John's been a 20-year veteran, so I'm going to let him give you that pitch. Oh, gosh. Yeah, so basically what we're all about is helping employers just make sense out of this healthcare uh, industry and to really find out, you know, they know their employees a lot better than I ever will, but I want to find out what's worked in the past, what are people asking for, what, what are the benefits that are really going to attract new employees and, and retain that talent that's already in the organization. And then specifically, what kind of budget are we working with? Um, uh, to replace somebody, it takes a lot of money. So we wanna make sure we're really crafting a very, very good benefits program. Uh, one thing that, I, this is where I lost my train of thought earlier. <laughs> the thing I really like about BIS is we have our service team to really help everybody uh, not only the employers on billing and enrollment and things like that. Uh, we have a stellar enrollment platform uh, we've rolled out, uh, but our service team is there to help members because things are going to happen, but we don't want members staying on an 800 line uh, right. to try to resolve something or their dependents. Uh, give us all the information. We'll run that rabbit. We'll get it back to you. Try to strip out all the insurance jargonese and make it very clear and understandable. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. What I really like doing is trying to minimize the risk uh, to the employees, like we talked about earlier, right. out-of-pocket maximum. Yeah. yeah, the insurance isn't there because you have sinusitis you know, twice a year. It's <laughs> when they say, Jeff, it is cancer. Yeah, That's when you want to know, yeah. yeah, that money I'm paying, well worth it. I know I'm going to see great doctors. I'm going to get great care. Uh, and then especially if it turns for the worse uh, uh, and you're disabled, that we have a disability program in place or life insurance right. in place. So those are discussions we have with the employer to say, gosh, what really do you need in place to retain these employer employees? And if they don't know, well, we'll come to them with our experience to say, well, you may want to think about this. You may right. want to think about that. You know, in right. your industry, this is where you really need to protect your interests uh, right. by putting in the disability. Um, again, we we have our service team and yep. they get some really heart-wrenching uh, service cases with disabilities uh, that happen. Uh, yeah. And thank God a disability plan is in place uh, or, or there's life claims. And thank God we've put life uh, insurance in place. Uh, we just really want to take care of not only the employer but also the employees. Right. And it's just, well, that's great. Yeah. yeah so just, I, I guess what I would say is um, obviously because of your cultural beliefs and the way you train and nurture your people too, it's all done with a, with a heart of service. Again, the, the best in service yes. mantra. So that's pretty exciting. So good stuff. Thank you guys. This has been awesome. Thanks so much for being a guest on the show. And again, how can they, what's your, what's your web address, I guess might be the best place for them to learn about you. They can get on uh, bisbenefits.com, or if they want more specific, they can be uh, they can look up Jay Schmidt at bisbenefits.com or R Bachman at bisbenefits.com. Our number is 
1-800-227-6908. We would love to help anybody that knows anybody that uh, has a small to mid-sized business. Um, yep. Please refer us. We'd love to help them with not only the benefits, but also with their property and casualty insurance. We're okay. independent brokers, so we can go to the marketplace and bring the best of the industry to the table. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. I know there's a lot of value here uh, for the listener um, who's, again, making these challenging benefit choices, but also um, there may be some business owners out there that, that need need a review and, and need a second opinion on what they're doing mm-hmm. and how they can improve it. So that's that's really fantastic. So thank you all for being with us today for the Money and Meaning Show. If you'd like to check us out on the various streaming platforms, you know, um, uh, iTunes, Spotify, and so forth. You can also find us at tanagrowth.com. Uh, if you'd like to reach out to us, uh, you can reach me by email at moneyandmeaning at tanagrowth.com. And finally, uh, I have a book that will be out uh, this month. So by the time you see this, hopefully it'll be in the stores called The Money and Meaning Journey, A Guide to Clarity, Financial Confidence, and Joy. So I hope you'll check it out. You can check out the book at jeffbernierauthor.com or all the online retailers where you find all your great books. So thanks again. Have a great day and look forward to talking to you next time. Thank you for listening to the Money and Meaning Show with Jeff Bernier, a show dedicated to help you gain the confidence and freedom to lead a life of personal significance and help you get your actions and resources in alignment with what matters most. We would love to hear from you. If you have any questions for Jeff or comments on the show, feel free to reach out to us at moneyandmeaning at tandemgrowth.com or you can find us on the web at www.tandemgrowth.com. Jeff Bernier is the President and Chief Investment Officer at Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. This show is a production of Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC. All information discussed is general in nature, is provided for informational purposes only, and should not be construed as specific financial, legal, or tax advice. Listeners should consult an attorney or tax professional regarding their specific legal or tax situation. Listeners should not rely on the content of this podcast as the basis for any investment decisions. A professional advisor should be consulted and or independent due diligence should be conducted before implementing anything discussed in this show. While information presented is believed to be factual and up-to-date, Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC, does not guarantee its accuracy and it should not be regarded as a complete analysis of the subjects discussed. Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC, does not make any representations or warranties as to the accuracy, timeliness, suitability, completeness, or relevance of any information prepared by any unaffiliated third party, such as guests on the podcast, and takes no responsibility for the same.